Thanks for joining the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast, where we discuss God, the Bible, and God's purpose for your life. Be inspired and encouraged to engage in transforming the world around you. about persecution last time I spoke and, and how the persecution is coming and how to prepare for it and, and get ready for it. Um, and so I'm going to be talking today about the, uh, uh, about the armor of God because uh, the persecution and everything is, is the problem. And so we identified the problem, but I like to, I'll, when you identify the problem, I want, I want solutions to the problem. I'm always looking for a solution. I, I hate to just talk about the problem and worry about the problem and complain about the problem. You have to identify it. You have to recognize it and understand it. But at some point, uh, you need to go to the word of God and get some solutions. So one of, the, one of the solutions to the persecution that is coming against Christianity in the world today and the persecution that that's coming against the church and the the changes in the world, I believe, as as the world uh, the system is getting set up for the end times. Well, what's the solution? What does God want us to do to uh, fight against this stuff? To resist this stuff? And I think uh, one of the solutions is in Ephesians chapter six when it talks about the armor of God. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead today because I like to, I mean, specifically what I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes is, is the armor of God and, and how to apply it to our life. What I like to do sometimes is instead of just going right to it, I like to study a little bit what's before and what's after in the Bible. And so I just want to go through basically like the whole chapter really quickly, and then we'll focus on a couple parts. So it's interesting that Ephesians chapter six in verse one, it starts out, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. And you know, what is that promise in Exodus chapter 20? There is a promise that comes along if you obey God and obey his word and honor your mother and father. And the promise is this in Ephesians chapter six, verse three, it says that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And so the promise is health. It's long life. When you honor your mother and father, when you're obeying the word, when you're walking in his ways, and when you do that, there's a promise that, that comes with this. It's health. It's long life on the earth. And then verse four, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And, you know, honestly, getting ready and preparing yourself to combat uh, the things that are going on today to combat the evils in the world. You know, we can start right now by instructing our children in, in the ways of God in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And by doing that as a parent, we are not only getting ourselves ready and preparing ourselves 
to fight against, you know, what Satan and the devil and the principalities and powers are bringing against us right now. But we can also prepare our children and get them strong and prepare them and get them ready to stand uh, against all the schemes and the wiles of the devil, which we'll read about here in a few verses. And then it says, slaves, be obedient to those who are your earthly masters with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as, as to Christ, not in the way of eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same again from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So again, it's not just the armor of God that, you know, something real that we can do to resist this. If you're an employee or if you're a worker, you can resist and fight against what's going on just by out of the heart, being a consistent, being a, you know, a good employee, being a, a good worker. And it says that knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same again uh, from the Lord, whether you're slave or free, whether you're a worker or a boss or, or a, a slave or a, a master. And then it says in verse nine, masters do the same to them and forbear threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. In other words, if, if you're a, a boss and you have employees, you have to realize that there's only one big boss, only one master up in heaven. And you may be a boss over your employees, but you better realize that the master up in heaven is your master and your employee's master. And you have to recognize that. And so it says, um, forbear threatening. In other words, don't always be critical and criticizing and oppressive towards the people that are under you. But realize that God is their master also, and God is your master. And so you need to, you need to think a little bit and you need to have a little bit of grace and mercy, and you need to treat you need to to treat people good that are that are that are working under you. Um, that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. In other words, whether you're rich, poor, uh, an employee, a businessman, a, a worker, a janitor, once we all leave this earth and we go stand before our heaven, there's no partiality. You're not going to say, you know, God, you know, I'm, I made a, a, a billion dollars and I had all these employees. I'm more important than someone else because of who I am and what I did. No, when you stand before God, there's not going to be any partiality uh, whatsoever. God is going to treat everyone the same, you know, no matter who they were uh, or what their position was in life. You know, God's going to teach you the same. And so that's just some kind of interesting stuff that you get before verse 10, which is what I really wanted to get into. And it kind of sets up. So what Paul just laid out there is just kind of some basic rules for living your day to day. Right. We, we want to resist the devil. We want to resist the schemes. So 
he just gave us a few things that we can do in our day to day to live a good and a righteous, you know, a good Christian holy life. And then here in verse 10, he says, now you've, you've, you're, you're going along in your life and you're in your day-to-day routine. These are some things you need to think about as you're acting in your day-to-day routine, but let's go a little bit deeper than how we should act in our day-to-day routine. So in verse 10, he says, finally, so after you, you're, you're living well and following God in his ways in your day-to-day routine, okay? In verse 10, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, we got to stop for a minute and think on that, okay? Because a lot of times there's talent, talented people on here. There's brilliant people that are listening to me right now. And you can do a lot of things in your own power, in your own strength. You can have some limited success in your own power, and your own strength. And if you want to stand up against what's going on in the world today, if you want to stand up against persecution, you could probably have some limited success uh, relying on your own talents, okay? But we can't rely on our own talents. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the power of God that we have to have a 110,000% reliance on. Now, God is going to use our talents. He's going to use our strengths for his benefit. Okay. God is going to use those. But us as an individual, we don't rely on those. We have faith in God and we rely in his power and in his might and in his Holy Spirit. So in verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God. And I'm going to get to this in a minute. Not parts of the armor of God, but the whole armor of God. Most of us are familiar with the armor, with the armor of God, the helmet, the belt, the shield. Okay. And Paul is kind of, uh, he's, he's making a metaphorical picture uh, so you can understand how the armor works. And what he's using is the soldiers of his day, which would be the Roman soldiers, okay? So you have to understand a little bit how the Roman soldiers would conduct warfare and how they would fight. So if you are in the Roman army, doesn't matter how much training you've had, it doesn't matter uh, uh, what an awesome soldier you are and how many medals you've got as a soldier, If you show up to the battlefield with a helmet and a breastplate and that's it and nothing else, the other soldiers are going to look at you and say, get out of here. You're useless to us. You're not going to be effective. And a matter of fact, you're going to get some of us hurt because you are not fully equipped. You don't have all that, the armor. You don't have all the necessary pieces to fight in the battle with us. Because what they would do is they would get in a line and they would lock their shields together and they would create a wall of shields and then they would advance in this wall. So if you show up with a helmet and a, and a breastplate, you're useless to them. 
The centurion's going to look at you and say, get out of here. Go home. You, you're, we, we don't need you. You're, you're going to get us hurt. You're going to get the guys next to you hurt. And of course, obviously, especially in America, because we don't walk around in bare feet, we don't have calluses, you got to have your shoes on. You, you know, you don't want to show up to the battle without your shoes on because you're not going to be able to walk and move and maneuver the way that you're supposed to. So that's why Paul is telling us here in verse 11, if we're going to stand, okay, if we're going to use the armor of God to be effective in standing against the devil and combating the persecution and the evils in the world and the things that are coming against us and things that are coming against the body of Christ, we have to have on the whole armor of God. So he says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil, the plans of the devil, the, the deceitfulness, the lies, the wiles, the little tricks that the devil can continuously brings against us and against the body of Christ. We have to stand up against those. There, there are so many uh, forms of speech that we use that I think are, that come from Ephesians chapter six, you know, stand your ground. It, it, that comes from here. That's what he's talking about. Stand up and fight, you know, stand, stand, stand. In order to resist the devil, in order to fight the devil, we have to stand. That means not retreating, not moving back, not cowering and lying on the ground. We, with confidence and faith, we have to stand. And again, not in our own strength, but in the strength of God and in the might of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is how we're going to stand. But again, if we don't have on the whole armor of God, we're not going to be effective. And it's going to be much more difficult, and I might say even impossible to stand if we are not fully equipped with the armor of God, okay? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending, contending. There is a contention going on. Now, just, just realizing and understanding that there is a contention going on will be a revelation or epiphany to some. Because uh, uh, a lot of people think you, you say the prayer, you get saved, and you, you pray and read your Bible, and you just go on, and everything's going to be great, and everything's going to be hunky-dory. Now, most of us here that I'm talking to, we know that nothing could be further from the truth. But we have to understand that there is a contention. When you are a Christian, when you have the Holy Spirit living within you, there is a contention. There is a fight that is going on. And what Ephesians chapter 6 is trying to tell us how we can contend, how we can properly fight against the wiles, the the tricks, the schemes, the persecutions of the devil that come against us and that are coming against the body of Christ. For we are not contending against flesh and blood. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it's not our unsaved relatives. It's not the corrupt politicians. It, it's, not, uh, it, it's not the false teachers. 
It's, it's not, you know, the lies from the media that we're contending against. That's just a manifestation, a physical manifestation on the earth of what we're fighting against. What we're really fighting against, what we're contending against, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers, and those are spiritual beings, Elohim, spiritual beings, not, not your corrupt human being politician, okay? Um, against the world rulers of this present darkness. That gives you a hint. He's talking spiritual here. Uh, uh, against the powers, against the world rules of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, again, when God tells you something twice, you need to perk up. When, when God ever tells you something twice, especially just a couple verses away, it, it, you, you need to perk up and say, this is important to know, okay? And he says, therefore, verse 13, therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And I'm telling you guys right now, we are in an evil day. No question about it. With the things that are going on in the world scene and around the globe right now, we have found ourselves in an evil day. But again, that's just identifying the problem. Right now, God is giving us the solution. He is teaching us how to fight, teaching us what we need to do to contend and fight uh, uh, in this evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your loins with truth with with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace above all so what's one of the most important pieces of the armor in the middle here and I'll get back to that in a minute but why does he say above all taking the shield of faith with which you can quench all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. What is that? Which is the word of God. And then pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making again, praying, not just for yourself, but praying, making supplication for all the saints. And that's one of the reasons, I, you know, that prayer uh, thread that we have through Joshua Nations, that is part of the resistance. That is part of the contention. Because when those prayer requests come up and there's five or ten of us on our face all around the world contending and praying and having supplication and prayer for other saints, we are manifesting Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, verse 18. With all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, Paul now is talking about himself, that utterance may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, which gives you a little bit of history. When Paul wrote this, he was actually a prisoner in chains. But did it stop him? Was he still contending? We would say that'd be a pretty bad thing if some of us here had to go to jail for our faith. Even though Paul was imprisoned and he was in chains, God was still using him 
and in the power of God, he was still being effective. Okay. Uh, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak or as I should speak. What I'm going to do is I'm going to break up the pieces of armor. But by doing that, you, I know you guys out here, you guys can study the Bible and kind of work out, you know, how do I manifest the other pieces of, of the armor into my life? Okay. So again, Paul is using a, a physical picture of a Roman soldier to help us understand a spiritual truth, a spiritual weapon. Okay. But how do we get this spiritual concept or this spiritual weapon, how do we get it to manifest here on the earth so that we're actually using it and applying it in, in, in our life? Okay. So, you know, you heard a lot of, a lot of teachings, you know, uh, say a prayer or stuff, you know, say a prayer or something and put these things on. And I'm not going to criticize that, you know, if that's what, what you want to do, but you're not really manifesting that into your life. And here's an example. So let's take one of the pieces, uh, the helmet of salvation. Okay. How do I manifest the helmet of salvation into my life? Well, dirty little secret that we all know is that there are times where even if you've been a Christian or a pastor or a leader, you question whether you're saved or not. Right? Dirty little secret. And hopefully you've manifested the helmet of salvation and you've moved past that. But as a pastor, you have to realize that there are people in your church that still have not fully understood and fully believe that they are saved. They still have questions whether they're saved or not. And I've had those questions in times past, even, you know, after I've been saved for five or 10 years. But what I've learned to do is I have manifested that helmet of salvation so that I can move past that. And here's what I mean. We've talked about this. There's all kinds of different motivations to get you to become a Christian. I need healing. I feel guilty. I want to go to heaven. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of different motivations. And I love those. Those are all good motivations because it gets you started on your way. It gets you started looking. It gets you started to work out your own salvation process. But at some point, those motivations that got you started, you have to turn to a motivation of love for Jesus Christ. It's not just my reward is just not going to heaven. My reward is just not uh, success or healing or, or peace in this life or whatever it is that's important to you. At some point, you have to come to the place where I just love Jesus. I just love Jesus. I just want Jesus. Sometimes when I'm working out in my gym, I'll have the, the, the music going and I'll be concentrating on, on my workout or something. And then I remember one time this song came on and it's called The King of Angels. And the opening line 
on the song is, have you heard about the king of angels? And I thought, I haven't heard Jesus described as the king of angels. That's a new one. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, Jesus is the king of angels. And you think about all the angels and you start thinking about Jesus. And there's just, when the name of Jesus comes up, there's a fire. There's a love that comes in my heart. And there's nothing more than I want than Jesus. I want to touch his feet. I want to see his face. I just want to be in his presence. Because I'm now motivated by a love and a passionate love. Not, you know, Ephesians, uh, the, the uh, letter to the church in uh, Ephesus and Revelation says, you guys have forgot your first love. Well, if you want to manifest that helmet of salvation, you have to come to the faith and the point that I am saved. I'm not worried about going to hell. I don't care about hell. I don't care about anything else. I know I'm saved and I belong to Jesus. And all I want is Jesus. In Revelation chapter uh, 21, verse 10, it talks about heaven. It talks about the new Jerusalem. And an angel is showing John the, the city of new Jerusalem. And it says it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high. It had 12 gates and it was guarded by 12 angels. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city. Its gates and its wall, when he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and the height of it was 1,400 miles high. You're standing there looking at these gates and the city goes up 1,400 miles high. And the wall was made of jasper. And the city itself was of pure gold, as clear as glass. And the wall of city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. They were taken in heaven. They take gems and emeralds and rubies, whatever precious stones, and they use it for bricks for your wall. And the 12 gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And there's these huge gates. So my point is, is when I get to that city, someone may sit there and stand in awe and look up at the city. I don't care about the gold. I don't care about the city. I don't care about the walls. I am going to run into that city and say, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? This is wonderful. It's magnificent. Where is Jesus? But being saved, I am going to be a citizen of that city. I have a right to live and be in that city. I'm saved. I'm saved. I, I don't worry about anything else. Therefore, you cannot talk me out of my salvation. I am completely convinced. Thoughts can come against me. Doubts can come against me. Philosophies, theologies can uh, attack my mind or my brain. But I have the helmet of salvation. I'm saved. But as a pastor or a leader... 
you have to help move the people in your congregation past this point. Because remember, we have to put on the whole armor of God. And if we don't have on that helmet of salvation, we are unprotected. But we have to have on that helmet of God. And but, but that is how you manifest the helmet of God in your life. It's not saying, you know, oh, I'm going to pray and put on a helmet of God. It is believing and understanding that you are saved from your sins and your motivation comes out of a love for Jesus, not out of a fear for hell or a desire to get something else. When you have that love of Jesus in your heart and that assurance of your salvation, you have now manifested the helmet of salvation and in that area, you're ready. So I'm gonna talk about another piece of armor. Let's talk about the breastplate of righteousness. How do we manifest the breastplate of righteousness? You know, how, how do we put that on, so to speak, metaphorically? How do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? It's this. We have to come to the understanding of no matter what mistakes we've done, no matter what sins that we've committed, that our righteousness comes from the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross, nothing else. But so many people say, I'm going to pray at four o'clock in the morning every day, which is fine, which is good if you're doing it, as I said, out of a motivation of love. But then there's Christians that I know that, oh, I missed my morning prayer at four o'clock in the morning for two days in a row. God is I'm going to have a bad day. God's going to be mad at me. And because what are they doing? They are placing their righteousness in what, in what they're done. There's been a whole big movement for the, for the past uh, few years of uh, going back to the law, you know, following the law. People say, well, you can't be, you know, you can't be saved. You can't go to heaven unless you, you know, Honor the Sabbath on, on a certain day. It's good to honor the Sabbath. You have to eat. If you eat a few things, it would be better health-wise if, uh, if you ate good and, and followed the, the, the laws, the eat the food laws in the Old Testament. But that is not where you get your righteousness from, okay? By following the law, by, by doing this or doing that, by setting up some kind of religious rules or whatever is not going to make you righteous, Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the requirements for all the blood sacrifices in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. He fulfilled all those. And so now that is the wonderful, that is the good news. That is the power of the gospel. That is the power of Jesus. He has fulfilled every single sacrifice. He has fulfilled every single requirement. Because when you go back into the Old Testament law, if you sin willingly and make the sacrifice, you shall be forgiven. If you sin unknowingly and the sacrifices are done, you shall be given. If you do this, if you do that and the sacrifices are done, you shall be forgiven and you'll be okay. Well, Jesus fulfilled all those requirements. So even if we sin knowingly, if we sin unknowingly, if we miss our morning prayer or whatever, we haven't read the Bible in a while, our righteousness, we still at any time through the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness, we have access 
to the very throne of God at any time that we want to. Through the blood of Jesus, we can go before the creator of the heavens and earth and we can stand before him and we can make our, 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 our needs known to him. We can make our supplications. We can ask God for help in the contention and the fight against persecution. We have access. But if you think you are getting your righteousness from somewhere else or because you did good today, or you don't have it because you did bad today, you are not walking, you are not manifesting the breastplate of righteousness. Because then when attack comes against you, you'll be like, oh no, I can't fight because I didn't do good last week. I messed up, so God's not gonna, gonna use me to fight or contend against the principalities anymore because I messed up. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't rest on the on the Sabbath or I ate bacon or whatever rules, you know, you, there's a myriad of rules that people come up with for themselves. And then, you know, you, you miss and you say, Oh, I'm not righteous anymore. But I am telling you, if you want to manifest the breastplate of righteousness, when you have sinned and when you have messed up and you repent, God is not holding that mistake. He is not holding that sin against you. You are instantly, because of the blood of Jesus, you are righteous. And you, you can stand before God and ask for help at any time. But see, when you don't manifest that, like I said, when you, you don't manifest that breastplate of righteousness, you, you, and the attacks come against you, you'll, you won't be able to stand. You'll, you won't have that conviction of stand. You'll say, oh, no, I'm. God's not going to protect me. God's not going to use me because I messed up. I mess up all the time, pretty much on a daily basis, if not more than one or two times a day. But I know that my righteousness comes from Jesus and from his blood. So even though I don't feel spiritual, even though I don't feel holy, even though I don't feel prepared, I am going to stand and I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust in the blood of Jesus. And that is where my righteousness comes from. So when the attacks come against me, even though I haven't been perfect, even though I've made mistakes, it doesn't mean that I can't beat those attacks, that I can't stand against those attacks. The devil can't say, oh, you messed up, so I'm going to take you out. I'm going to say, devil, yeah, I messed up, but my righteousness comes from the blood of Jesus. Bring it on. And I will be able to stand. The last thing I think I'm going to have time to talk about. Remember, it said, above all, above all, take on the shield of faith. So now, as I talked about, you show up to fight with your helmet and your breastplate. If you show up with your shield, you are now effective. You now can at least hold a spot in the line if you have that shield. And as Christians, what we need to do is we need to take the word of God. We need to take his promises and his, and, and his word, and we need to believe in them no matter what the world says, no matter what science says. As a Christian, we say the Bible says this, and we stand together with our shields locked together, and we can stand and we can resist as long as we believe in the word of God. So how do we manifest this? How do we manifest the shield of faith? Simply, I'll come up with some examples, but simply it's this. When science and the world 
and a teacher and the TV and your mom and your brother or whoever tells you something that is contradictory and it sounds really good. It sounds logical. It's, but it contradicts the word of God. In order to manifest your shield of faith, you have to say, no, I don't believe that. I am going to believe the word of God. And I know it may, it may not seem right. It may not seem logical to me at the time. But this is what the word of God says. This is what I believe it means. And this is what I'm going to stand on. Here's a perfect example. But if you give me enough time, I have a whole bag of these. I have hundreds of them. And if you gave me enough time, I could sit on here and I could offend every single one of you on here <laughs> with, the, with the word of God. You have to understand that sometimes the truth is offensive. And there's a lot of times where, where people will tell us now, Again, you know, Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time for everything. So I'm not saying be a loudmouth jerk or anything like that. But, you know, there are times to speak up and there are times to be offensive. And when you do that, okay, the world and, and your grandma and everyone, you shouldn't have said that. You should have, you, you should have, you know, just kept your mouth shut or tried to tell the truth in love or whatever. Okay, well, does that square with the Bible? It seems to me that there is a story in the Bible where Jesus was on a rant and he was on a roll of truth telling and the truth telling that Jesus was explaining was so offensive that the crowd wanted to throw Jesus off the cliff. Okay. Sometimes we got to understand even as a Christian even to ourselves, the truth can be offensive. But if we want to walk in the shield of faith, if maybe it's a truth we didn't understand, or maybe something we hadn't heard about, or something we didn't know about, but it doesn't go along with our way of thinking, if we look at it in the Bible, and what the Bible says is contrary to the way that we think, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. Am I going to continue in the way that I've always been going? And I, this is not a salvation issue, guys. You're still safe. You're going to heaven. The blood of Jesus is going to get you to heaven. I'm just trying to tell you how to put on the shield of faith. You have to reorganize your thinking sometimes and say, am I going to believe what the Bible says? Or am I going to believe my old ways of thinking? And recently, one of the ways this happened to me just a few years ago, uh, Pastor Vili Sr. and Pastor Vili were talking to me about grace and the grace message. And I'm a ex-police officer. I'm a black and I'm a black and white guy. I, again, I thank them for sharing that with me now. But at the time, it kind of went against the way that I was thinking. And I wasn't offended with them at all, at, at any point at all. But I'm saying the, the concept of grace, the way that they were uh, explaining it to me was a little bit offensive because it went contrary to the way that I was thinking. But instead of just saying, oh, no, I'm going to keep going on the way I'm going. You know, I, I don't 
I don't believe in what Pastor Vili or Pastor Vili Sr. say. I believe in what the Bible says. But what they were doing is they were sharing with me a truth and a concept from the word of God. And I didn't understand the concept. I wasn't walking in the concept yet. And that's why it was a little bit offensive to me. But, but I said, okay, you know, I, these are great men of God. They're onto something here. I may not understand it. I may not like it, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to filter it through the word of God. And for the next year, as I was reading the new Testament with the epistles that Paul wrote, just things about grace and how Paul couldn't stand the law and all these things and all these religious things. Every time I read an epistle in the new Testament because of that grace message and understanding was coming to me and I was getting a better understanding of grace, but I was believing I was having faith in God, not, not Billy and his dad, but in the word of God, but the Holy spirit used Billy and his dad to get me to understand so that now I wasn't blind to the grace message uh, that is found in the New Testament. Now that I was thinking about it and starting to understand it and walk in it, the blindness came off my eyes and I, I, and I was able to see. And I thank God for that. And yeah, at first I was a little offended. I was a little bugged because my brain was organized. I was good. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm doing things for God. But but I'm so thankful and my life is, is better because now I have a better understanding of, of grace and the, the, the grace message. So that's just an, an example of how you take up that shield of faith. And so here's the last example and then I'll open it up. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, it says this. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night shall, what God says, shall not cease. I'm going to read it one more time because I got to break through your blinders. While the earth remains, think on this for a minute, guys. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, the seasons, Day and night, cold and heat, day and night shall not cease. What does that say about climate change? Are you offended? Which one are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the word of God and have faith in that? Or are you going to believe in the scientists and stuff? You have no choice because God said it shall not cease. And like I said, I can go, I have hundreds of these guys. I, if, if, if you were a believer in climate change or global warming or whatever, and you're offended, trust me, I can offend everybody. I can offend Jason if given enough time. <laughs> and you guys can offend me too. So we have a choice, is my point is, is you're either going to believe the word of God or you aren't. And if you're not going to believe the word of God and manifest it and believe it, then you are not going to be able to hold the shield of faith. COVID is real. People are getting sick. People are, people are dying. 
But the Bible says he does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If you're fearful of that, if you're walking in fear, you are not holding the shield of faith. You have to get that scripture. God doesn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm going to walk in that. I'm not going to be scared. Because death has no victory. Death has no sting. If I get sick and die, I'm going to go to heaven. And you got to understand, when Esther, in the book of Esther, when she was going before the king, to go before the king unannounced was an instant death sentence. They would cut your head off right then and there on the palace floor in front of the throne. They would just take you and kill you instantly right there. Even if you're the queen, according to their law, you could not come to the king unannounced. And Esther, she stood in front of those big doors entering the throne, the throne room. And she was standing there looking at the throne, the throne room doors. And she's, as she was going in, she had fear, guys, the emotion of fear. And as she was standing there, she finally just said, she said, if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, God will save us from that fiery furnace. But even if God doesn't save us from that fiery furnace, we will not bow down to your idol. We will not bow down to the wiles of the devil. If I die, I die. Because I'm going to believe and I'm going to have faith in God's word and nothing else. God's word and nothing else. Thank you for joining Joshua Nations on this episode of the Inheritance Podcast. For more information about the ministry of Joshua Nations, please go to www.joshuanations.org. To join our prayer movement, please go to prayer.joshuanations.org. We hope you will join us for the next episode of the Joshua Nations Inheritance Podcast. May God bless you.